What's going folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew and this is Christian Coffee Time where we sit down together to study the Word of God and here we got another special one planned today. We're going to be doing another reactionary video. Uh, we're going to be biblically critiquing a video that I came across of an Orthodox priest mocking Protestants mocking and speaking against sola scriptura and giving his own reasons as to why uh, the orthodox church does not believe in sola scriptura like the protestants do and uh, so we're going to kind of go through that just a bit by bit taking a look at some of the things he has to say and see okay now what does the word of god actually have to say on this and see how he's completely off his rocker he doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> so i've gone through this video a couple times and every time i'm just absolutely blown away at the sheer level of ignorance uh, it just it, it's it's so painfully obvious what the answer is and i just i i can't believe that's that he's that ignorant as in he just doesn't get it he doesn't see it he doesn't understand like he's he's so close and it's just it's painful so uh we're going to be going over that and uh, taking a look at the doctrine of sola scriptura that is uh, the word of god alone as our final absolute sole authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith the word of god alone so i hope that this will be a help a comfort and a blessing to you so make sure to grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and come join us at the table as we are going to be diving into the Word of God and into the world of the Orthodox Church. So there's a number of things we kind of want to go over before we get started. As we always do, we like to establish uh, what the Word of God has to say, establish the truth first. We want to arm ourselves first before we open up the gates of hell and peer into the abyss of nonsense heresies and all of this we need to arm ourselves put on our protective equipment put on the armor of god and uh, suit up and uh, take a hold take fast hold of the word of god so with that good morning good morning everybody how's it going so as i put in the comments as well here is a passage from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the first, uh, these uh, three verses here, uh, the first thing here in the comments is Mark chapter 7 to 9. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. And that's what you're going to be seeing, is uh, how the Orthodox Church elevates tradition to a level of superiority, tradition as equal to or surpassing the word of God, and you you'll see it and we'll be talking about this as we go along uh, explaining these things it is just shocking absolutely shocking how the cult mind works but herein is a very important point that must be made as we go over to first corinthians 
Like, this is what you expect, though. You expect this kind of thing from individuals who are not born again saved. They aren't able to understand the word of God. They're not going to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. They're not going to have the understanding. Just as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man, the unsaved man, and the natural state, the sin state, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, <clears throat> that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. All right, so it's 1 Corinthians 2.14. The, the natural man receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And this is an important point that must be understood. When trying to talk to people who are not Christians, they're not going to be able to understand what you're saying unless the Holy Spirit is upon them, giving them the enlightenment, giving them the understanding. So we take a look at this. As devils don't care if you go to church or read your Bible, if you carry out all the traditions, do all the stuff, they don't care. Just as long as you don't apply the word of God to your life, as long as you don't take it seriously, as long as you don't believe what it says as authority. As long as you don't take what God has said in his gospel, his word about salvation, repentance, redemption, all this, the person of Christ, and apply it to your life. You, you accept this, you believe this, this, this is true. If you don't do that, the devils don't really care how you go about your religiosity. They couldn't care what you say or what you do. And the other thing, too, we also want to understand about the Orthodox Church is when it comes to Orthodoxy and it comes to their prayers and their intercessions, their traditions, their images and their icons and their artifacts and their idols, they always twist the truth they always twist the words they always twist the meanings of the words they, they say oh we're not praying to the statues or, or worshiping the statues we're just asking them to intercede we're just venerating we're just asking them to intercede well that'd be like the, the israelites in the wilderness saying that they're not worshiping or bowing to the golden calf they're just asking it to intercede for them it's it's ridiculous the the nonsense that goes on here one other point that we want to make as well in getting into these kinds of things is to understand where the Orthodox Church came from. They say, oh, we go all the way back to Jesus. Every cult says that. Every cult says that. The Roman Catholic cult says that. The Orthodox Church says that. They all say that. But how can we know what is the truth then? Well, you know, simple 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 study of history and historicity and religiosity of the world religions and these kinds of things you can see origins we see where mormonism came from jehovah's witnesses came from the orthodox church was born out of the great schism in 1054 out of the roman catholic church the roman catholic church had a bit of a disagreement and uh, a, a bunch of them broke from the Roman Catholic Church 
because they didn't like the level of idolatry and such of the Roman Catholic Church. So they, they wanted to minimize the idolatry, but keep but basically keep it. And this is where the Orthodox Church came from. They came out of, and the, and we see Roman Catholicism and Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is just Catholic light. It's basically, at its core, Roman Catholicism. They even say the Roman Catholic Church back in the day was the true church. And you take a look at the gospel they preach, it's the same gospel. It's a lot of the same traditions, the same things, the same idolatry, the, the same corruption, same heresies, baptismal regeneration, and all the rest of it. So we take a look at where it came from. It came from Roman Catholicism. It's just it's just a breakoff. It's a spin-off of Roman Catholicism. It's all it is. They have their hierarchy and their stupid robes and their miters and their and all, all of their tinsel and tapestry, and they uphold traditions as superior. It's all Roman Catholicism. And we're going to be taking a look at some of these things as well. So Roman Catholicism is the father of the Orthodox Church. Unlike, see, people say, well, Protestants uh, broke off of this. So you look at Martin Luther, for example. Yes, however, you look at the gospel, look at the doctrine. They're, they're not trying to just find a way to cope with or to be similar to. A complete, complete change from. Not even hold, it's a completely different gospel than the Roman Catholic Church. Di different teaching, doctrines, and all these things. And there's nothing about the Protestant lines that are similar to Roman Catholicism. Because, they, because people that got saved and came out of it, they got saved and came out of it. They didn't just try to change a little bit. They actually got saved and came out of it because they see what the Word of God actually has to say on this. So we take a look at, at uh, the difference here. You can't equate uh, the Protestant Reformation as similar to the Great Schism. The Great Schism is just they had some disagreements, but they're carrying out the same thing. Orthodoxy is just the same thing as Catholicism. This is Catholic light. Protestantism is, again, massively different. As you see, they, they got saved and came out of it, and they're preaching the true gospel. Now, uh, we see we see that, and of course, there's always going to be people that are going to disagree and all these things. So we're just going to let an Orthodox priest say it for himself. And we're going to see some of the things what the Bible has to say on this. Now, again, you need to do the study yourself. Take a look at what the Bible actually has to say on these things. And you take a look at, at uh, the traditions of orthodoxy and what they actually, actually say. And look at the gospel they preach, that uh, they do not believe in eternal security. They believe you could lose your salvation. So it's a works-based system of salvation. They believe in baptismal regeneration, that the waters of baptism are a mandatory requirement for salvation, which is heresy, a false gospel. They believe in infant baptism, which is just dumb. There's nowhere in the Bible, and that does literally nothing. But they believe that uh, that's important, you need to do that. And a bunch of other nonsensical things like worship of, of, of images and idols and bowing to idols and all kinds of idolatry and all that kind of stuff. And as uh, uh, Aaron here says, well, God told the Jews to make a bronze snake. Purpose. 
intent, reason, why did he tell them to do that? What was it symbolic of? Was it to make this thing and they were actually worshiping the snake, venerating the snake? Or what was it that God told Moses? What was the purpose, the reason? What was this for? What was this foreshadowing? As we see, as uh, we see the, the, the snakes, the, the vipers that were coming into the camp and were biting people and they were dying. This curse, this curse that was upon them. And uh, God told Moses to, to make something after the image of the curse. And, uh, and to set it up, at, and it was the promise of God that they were looking to. God says, if you look upon this, as I tell you, you'll be delivered. So it wasn't, it wasn't the looking of the thing, it was the believing in the promise of God. And we see Jesus made in the likeness of men, as we are under the curse, put upon the tree, we look upon him, but believe upon what he has said, we're delivered from the curse. We see this is made as a foreshadowing. This has nothing to do, and you cannot use that as an argument in any way, shape, or form to justify or validate orthodox idolatry. That their whole thing is completely wrong. The veneration of dead saints, which is necromancy and all the rest of it. So let's take a look at some things here. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights as we go along, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Um, so yeah, uh, again... The main thing that we want to look at here, our primary topic, is sola scriptura. The, the doctrine that the word of God is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. That tradition does not even come close to the word of God. The word of God is superior and is the final authority, and we don't need the traditions. We need the word of God. Now... We take a look at what Jesus said in John chapter 20. Now, what the, the Lord said uh, to John is what is written in John here in John chapter 20, verse 31. Now, yes, there are lots of other things that Jesus said and did. Lots of other things that Jesus said and did. That if everything was recorded, the world could not contain the books of it. Yes, lots of things. So, why isn't everything recorded? John 20, 31. But these are written but these are written that you might believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that believing you might have life through his name these these what has been written what has been recorded is sufficient it's all it's all you need you don't have to have every single individual thing that has ever been said and done you don't need that what you need is that which is enough which is sufficient to help you to understand what is the truth about uh, who and what God is, and who and what uh, the the Messiah is, why he came, and who we are, how we're sinners, and, and uh, what sin does, what sin is, what righteousness does, what righteousness is, and whose righteousness saves us, about the work of Christ, and why he came, and all the rest of it. About uh, salvation and redemption. These things are written for this purpose, for this reason, and this is sufficient. That's what the Lord is saying, and God cannot lie. He is not the author of confusion. In him is no darkness, a shadow of turning. What he says is absolute. So when the Lord also says, we're going to go over these verses again, understanding that there are no lost texts, lost books, lost manuscripts, understanding that there are there, there's nothing lost in this, otherwise God is a liar, because Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, 
The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, the word of our God shall stand forever. Matthew 24:35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Psalm 12, 6-7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in, in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. At the word of God, the words are preserved. Not traditions. Not the traditions. The words. The words are preserved. But my words shall not pass away. The word of God stands forever. The words of the Lord are preserved unto, uh, from this generation forever. Psalm 138 verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thy word. The word of God. Look at this. Look at this. How high and holy is the name of Jesus Christ? Seriously. How high and holy is the name of Jesus Christ? Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, think about this. No, it was not the Catholic Church that formulated the Bible and chose the books. That's a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's, that's not true at all. Not even in the slightest. They did that for their own in the 300s AD and with the councils that Constantine set up when he uh, put together formulating his own church to unite the Roman Empire, the Universal Church of the Roman Empire, and uh, the Council of Trent, the Council of Nicaea, and all the rest of them to see uh, see the doctrines that they would hold to for their group, for their religion, for their beliefs, for their for their denomination, the Roman Catholic Church. They created their own. They they wrote their own apocryphal texts and all the rest of that, and that because they're a cult. The Roman Catholic Church is a cult that started in the 300s, like Islam started in the 600s, like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons started in the 1800s, and like Seventh-day Adventism started in the 1800s. Again, people built it up and put it together, and you could trace it back and see this is the truth. But let's take a look at what the Bible says. He preserves it to all generations. So God preserves it, not the Catholic Church. God says he puts it together. He spoke it to his holy servants. He told them what to write and he preserves it unto all generations. It's not, it's not the counsels of man to try to figure out what it was. If they had to figure out what it was, then God failed and God is a liar. So you see the Catholic church is setting themselves even over the very words of God saying that they are the sacred keepers of scripture, not God. That the scriptures were all messed up. We didn't know what it was and they had to figure it out. That's a bunch of nonsense. So, this guy's a Roman Catholic Church uh, heretic and a liar. Let's uh, get rid of that bunch of nonsense. All right. Now, if we take a look at this, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. This is what, one of the most profound verses that I've come across and in studying the scriptures and seeing the the power of the preservation how god preserves it how god preserves it not the catholic church not the not the the cult of goddess worshipers 
where they where they worship uh, the queen of heaven and say that Mary is the most important important part of the Godhead, where they actually make images of cruci crucifixes with Mary on the cross, where they say Mary is the co-redemptress, that she redeems you, that Mary prays for you, that Ma Mary hears all the prayers of all the saints, and that Mary is the most important part of the Godhead. You're telling me that demonic cult of goddess worshippers are the ones that put together the Bible? Yeah, okay. Let's take a look at this. Psalms 138, verse 2. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Not traditions. His truth, his word. Psalm 119, 152. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Psalm 119, 160. The, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Matthew 5.18 For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. The jot and tittle, that's a yod and tittle, meaning the smallest marks in the Greek and the smallest marks in the Hebrew, or like even the punctuation, eh, the little dots and squiggles. Not one single dot or squiggle will even fade. And God preserves it all. His word. Not man's traditions. His word. Luke 16, 17. And it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than for one tittle of the law to fail. All right. We then go to the accuracy of the scriptures, which is shown by Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. Let's take a look at Galatians 1, 8 to 9. Galatians 1, 8-9. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Alright, so, gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of salvation according to the word of God. What that, that has been said, what Jesus says, and what, 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 it, what is written down. Any change to the gospel is accursed. And that word is anathema maranatha, meaning an official consigning to damnation. All right. But though we or an angel from heaven, but though we, mankind or angels, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As is said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Accursed of God. All right. So you don't have to go through every single detail of all the traditions and all the images and all the stuff and every single other thing that's going on. What you want to do is you want to go and actually hear from the horse's mouth the doctrine of the gospel of salvation according to these individuals. And if you listen to the gospel of salvation according to Roman Catholicism, you see it's a works-based cult. Orthodox, works-based cult. Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Seventh-day Adventists, works-based cult. Where you have to earn to gain, maintain, to keep, or self-atone. you got to atone for your own sins in purgatory or some other crazy thing. Or God is going to weigh your good against your bad like some day Adventists believe. And they also believe Jesus is Michael the Archangel. 
So we're it's shown by Galatians 1, 8 to 9, where anything contradicting the word is accursed of God. And then we want to go over to 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at this. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, this one is really important. This passage right here. Look at this. Take your Bible. Please turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we want to start at verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Now, Peter is going to be recalling something here that has happened, and he's going to be telling you something very important. Now, he's emphasizing what it is that they are preaching to the people. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, where he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. When, you know, when Jesus went up to pray and then the disciples saw that Moses and Elijah appeared beside him and they were talking all this, and then this, the voice of the Father spake, this is my beloved Son, he's recalling this. Verse 17, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Verse 19. What does it say? Verse 19. Now could you imagine being there? Being eyewitness. You heard it. You saw it. You felt it. You experienced it. It was real. The audible voice of God upon this mountain. You saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus Jesus here transfigured. You were there in the cloud. Verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than that. More important. More sure. More verified. More justified. More validated. We have a more sure word of prophecy, wherein ye do well, ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they are moved by the Holy Ghost. Um, more sure than even traditions. More sure than experiences. More sure than anything else that could come along. And that is the Word of God. The Word of God is more sure. It's more trustworthy. You could depend upon this more than anything else. It's not open to personal interpretation and traditions and nothing, nothing else that goes on can even come close to the Word of God. The Word of God is above the very name of God. Now we take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Alright, so what Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Now look at this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. 
that the man of God may be perfect. But saying that, well, sola scriptura is nonsense and no traditions are needed and are just as important, we learn from that as well, then the word of God doesn't make you perfect. If you need all this other stuff, then the word of God is insufficient and does not make you perfect. Because to be perfect, you need all the traditions. You need all these other things, all the all the handed down oral traditions and, and religious traditions and all this other stuff. And No, you don't need any of that. You need nothing but the word of God and faith. It says that the man of God may be perfect. We have a more sure word than even all these experiences and traditions and things that can happen. Do you see this? Someone please say something. Do you see this? Do you see what I'm saying? That the word of God is sufficient. It's all you need. You don't need anything else. What you need is faith in Christ and his word. An ignorant farm boy can sit down and, and uh, with the Bible, call upon the Lord and ask the Lord to show him and he will, he will learn all that is needed. The ignorant fishermen had no traditions and nothing, but Jesus taught them. And they confounded the Sanhedrin. This is all you need. This is all you need. All scripture is from God and is profitable for all things to make you perfect. Then we take a look at Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. Revelation 22, 18, 19, curses and warnings and woes from God are uttered and given to anyone that would add, subtract, or change from the scriptures. Think about that, folks. Think about this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth. This is truth. The word. The testimonies of God. The doctrines of God. The word of God, which is above the name of God, which is preserved unto all generations. God says, this is all you need. This is all you need. All right. So with that, we're going to get to this video. But first... I want to play in one short little video that kind of talks about the Orthodox cult. It shows you there's a little little video that will show you some of their traditions, what some of their orthodoxy looks like and what they're doing. And just to give you an idea what it is that we're going to be delving into. All right. All right. So with that. <laughs> Make sure you grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab a tea, grab a coffee. Arm up as we open up the gate of the cults and peer into the void of nonsense. Okay, let's take a look here. So remember, the passage that I put in about Mark chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. They teach for doctrines the traditions of men. All right. And Matthew 15, verse 14, let them alone. They, be, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead, the blind both will fall in the ditch. So let's take a look at this. Turn your volume up. And 
Brace yourself. Now look at these guys, dressed up in the white robes, dressed like mother, wanting to be called father, and all the rest of it. Just as Jesus says, call no man father, and they insist on, on being called father and all the rest of it. Orthodox and Catholic churches have so far proven themselves to be caught up in the traditions of man that they even began to adore random objects, death, and men more than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. Orthodox. So yeah, you see, just as Jesus says, if you actually uh, take the description from Christ in the gospel, and overlay it over the Catholic and Orthodox priests and all these kinds of things. They're, they're the Pharisees of today. The long robes and the broad phylacteries and all the great traditions and the pomp and the, and the par parades of the... It's just, oh my goodness. It talks about in the Bible, uh, the whore of Babylon and the scarlet and purple and the, and the golden cups and all the rest of it. Just like these guys. Just like them. And uh, it's it's all part and parcel of the same thing. Uh, the Orthodox Church is just Roman Catholic light. That's all it is. Don't be fooled by it. There are so many uh, so-called professed Christians that are just taken by the Orthodox Church for some reason. There's been a massive influx into the Orthodox cults. And I blame much of the liberalism that goes on today. And... Uh, and that they're getting so disgusted is that they want to hold to, to the old ways of the old tradition. So they look to traditions of men, the cults, instead of just going to the word of God. It just blows my mind to, to see this. But this isn't the, the video that we're talking about. I just want to play this one just so you can see what it is we're up against that we're going to be looking into. A priest of this, of this, of all of this nonsense that, that, that you saw here. So, I'm going to be changing the video, and for some reason, it always blows up the image. I have to shorten it down, so just bear with me just one quick second as I switch the video. And, of course, it's probably going to start playing. Would you like me to say anything? Alright, so I'm just going to fit this down to fit the screen now this catholic priest <clears throat> is being interviewed by this guy this kid over here with the long hair i don't know what he's about but anyways the catholic priest over here now he wants to do a talk about why they reject sola scriptura and elevate traditions so i'm gonna be playing this and we're gonna go along and see okay what does the bible have to say all right. Now, remember what I showed you from the Word of God before about the importance of the Word of God, and we have a more sure Word, and the Word of God makes us perfect, and this is uh, all we need. It's above His very name. Now, listen to this guy. Listen to this, this Orthodox priest, this mock priest. Would you like me to say anything about Sola Scriptura? 
If you'd like, yeah. You you mentioned, I think it's the heresy that begets the other Protestant heresies. This guy, the interviewer, quotes him, saying, saying is, you said that sola scriptura is the heresy that begets all the other Protestant heresies. He says, sola scriptura is heresy. Just let that sink in for a second. I'm going to rewind this. Listen to that again. Would you like me to say anything about Sola Scriptura? If you'd like, yeah. You you mentioned, I think, it's the heresy that begets the other Protestant heresies. If I'm, That might be a slight misquote, but yeah, maybe uh, speak on that for a second. You know, I think most Protestants who enthusiastically champion Sola Scriptura are doing it, are doing it from piety. What they're trying to say is that these words are from God and we trust them 100%. So right there, okay. They're just, that the Protestants are, are just holding Sola Scriptura and they're just doing it out of piety, just to be pious. It, just to look pious, to, to look holy. That the only, that's the only reason they're saying this. That's it. He says, I think this is why. So he's speaking from his own mind, of his own feelings, of his own emotions, and uh, he's he's called sola scriptura the the authority of the word of God. He called it heresy, and now he's mocking Protestants who hold the sola scriptura. Let's continue. Uh, that is in fact not what sola scriptura means. Uh, that is the Orthodox mind <laughs> and the Catholic mind, uh, as well as the Protestant mind. That no one's questioning the preciousness and the centrality of holy scripture there was a time in the roman catholic world where the church discouraged believers from reading the scriptures by killing people that read it killing people that quoted it who weren't catholic priests if you weren't a catholic priest or if you didn't have direct authority from the catholic church to do so they would burn you at the stake or horribly torture and slaughter you if you if you had a Bible or read the Bible without their permission. That's what he's not saying there. That is true. Uh, and the Protestants are right to criticize that. Although the opposite idea, that everyone should read it and think that it's perspicuous, which is a Protestant doctrine that means that perspicari in Latin means to be able to see through, to be, you know, translucent. It, it, the idea that Scripture is just going to make itself obvious to people who read it is not the case. Protestants don't believe that. Born-again Christians don't believe that. He's making that up. As the Bible flat out says, the natural man receives not things that are of the Spirit of God. That, that Nobody can just pick up a Bible and just read it and understand it. You have to have the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God. He He's misrepresenting Sola Scriptura. He's literally making up his own definitions, making up stuff to slander the Protestants, to slander Sola Scriptura, uh, and he's misrepresenting it to, to try to justify his own personal argument. He's a liar. Uh, so Orthodox Christians are very aware that we need to read Scripture, but we need to read it in accordance with the way that the church has understood it. Ah, there you go. Right there. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Let's rewind this obvious 
to people who read it is not the case. Listen, uh, so Orthodox Christians are very aware that we need to read Scripture, but we need to read it in accordance with the way that the church has understood it. Ah, there you go. You see? You could read the Word of God, but you must read it in accordance as we have determined and dictated it to be understood. We are the holders of all truth, and if you read it outside of the lines of the confines of what we have agreed, then you're wrong. That you teach your doctrines the traditions of men. You're upholding a, a denominational creed and catechism as equal to or superior than the Word of God. That, you, that the Word of God, you can't just read this and understand it. You have to have the Bible and all of our books open, and we will tell you what to believe. All right. How many of you remember back a while ago, I did a, uh, a series on the cults? And we talked about all the different kind of cults, and so what are the red flags of a cult? One of the top red flags, one of the top number one red flags of a cult is that the word of God is insufficient. You can't just read this, understand. You have to have all of our books that we will tell you what it means. You must read it according to as we say. That's the red flag of a cult right there. That's what he just said, you, that the, the Orthodox Christians understand that we must read the, uh, the, the scriptures in accordance at, uh, as we, we have determined or something like that. Let's just rewind that one more time. Peru, to be, you know, translucent. It, it, the, the idea, idea that, that scripture is just going to make itself obvious to people who read it is not the case. Uh, so Orthodox Christians are very aware that we need to read scripture, but we need to read it in accordance with the way that the church has understood it. See? Sola Scriptura, on, in its formal definition, is saying that the, the scriptures hold a unique authority and uh, are the only authority to which we can appeal for establishing dogma. All right, he says that, but the thing is, he, he clearly, blatantly just uh, prefaced it by saying, but they don't believe that. And we would just say that that is nowhere taught uh, in Scripture. <laughs> All right, let's back up. And we would just say that that is nowhere taught uh, in Scripture. You hear that? He says that uh, that the Word of God being the sole authority for all of our dogma is nowhere found in Scripture. It's nowhere found in Scripture. The whole first 30 minutes of this video, I showed you scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture showing you that how the word of God states how this is our teaching for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, to be perfect, that this is more sure, this is more valid, that God preserves this, not traditions, that we can trust this. These things are written. And he says it's nowhere in the word of God. It's nowhere in the Bible. This is an Orthodox priest, a, a, a high up leading Orthodox priest saying this. One more time. Let's listen to this nonsense. Sola Scriptura, on, in its formal definition, is saying that the, the scriptures hold a unique authority and uh, are the only authority to which we can appeal for establishing dogma. And we would just say that that is nowhere taught uh, in 
scripture. What nonsense. As a matter of fact, scripture itself says it's not solo. <laughs> and, and in fact, the Bible even says that it's uh, that it's not solo. It's not alone. Really? Pray tell. Where, where, how do you figure that one there, bud? For instance, St. Paul, who was the spiritual father of the church in the city of Thessaloniki, which, by the way, to this day is a very vibrant church. I mean, I was once, when I was a, a New Orthodox priest, I was in Greece, and I was celebrating the liturgy uh, with a very esteemed older priest. And we were at uh, one of the ancient churches in Thessaloniki, and I noticed that the bishop's throne... Bishop's throne, eh? Yeah, that's one thing I've al I've always found really funny, uh, is uh, how in the Bible we see that yes, the pastors uh, uh, are in charge of the church and the teaching and all this, but we see in the Word of God how we're all equal in the eyes of God, and call no man father, call no man rabbi, call no man master, for for there's only one who is these things. And, and we, we see, yes, that the, the pastor, the teacher is in charge of teaching the people, but, but before the Lord, we're all equal in the eyes of God. And, we are, and that there is no, 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 like the way the Catholic Church shows it, of the high superiority, we're so superior over, over the congregants, that if the pastor is in error, we see the Bible even has has a, a, a passage in here for the for the people to go to go to him and how we hold hold each other accountable in the Word of God and prayer and all these things, but how the Catholic Church and the Orthodox they have thrones. Now I've seen them, big ornate carved, big fancy emperor thrones, and they're up there in all their robes and like they're all so special. It's like wow. Anyways, let's continue. Behind the altar, that's always on the eastern wall. Uh, what's called a scene throne, a, a, a throne that's with the altar where the bishop would stand at certain parts, like during the gospel reading, for instance. And I noticed that in that throne, it was roped off and it had an icon of St. Paul's. An icon, a depiction of St. Paul. Sitting on the, on the seat of the throne. And I asked him, I said, why is your, your throne, your bishop's throne roped off and why is St. Paul there? He said, oh, our bishop would never sit on that. I said, it's his throne. What are you talking about? He goes, no, no. That's the rostrum from which Paul preached in downtown Thessaloniki in the first century. Okay. In, Thessalon in Thessaloniki, now you go over there, and this is where we see, you know, the first and second Thessalonians, uh, the letters from, of Paul to the Thessalonians. And he's saying that this rostrum, this throne and altar, this special spot over here, this is the spot that Apostle Paul stood in and spoke when he was teaching the people. Really? How do they, I've always wondered, how do you figure that? It's no different than the Roman Catholic Church, where they have, over here, you see, this is the shrine to, to where they cut down the tree that was for the cross for Jesus. Over here is, is the spot of this, over here is the spot of this, and this is, here's a fragment of the true cross. Here's the hair of Prophet Elisha, and here is this of that. All these icons and artifacts, all these traditions that they have. Well, okay. Here's the thing is it is there's no validation for any of this at all but yet they're upholding it as doctrine upholding it as doctrine that's just what irritates me you know i 
if that's what you want to think that it is, you know, okay, whatever, I don't really care. But the thing is, is that they're upholding it as doctrine and teaching it as doctrine, as an absolute thing. But there's no actual proof of it. Not just like all these other so-called icons and artifacts that the Catholic Church has. It's ridiculous. Anyways. Wow. <laughs> 2,000 years later, right? It's it's roped off with his icon on it because uh, and now I understood why no bishop wanted <laughs> yeah. to stand on it, right? Uh, icon. Okay, it just... The other thing, too, we see about this is, again, the Orthodox Church does not go back to Jesus. Okay? You need to remember that. The Orthodox Church goes back to 1054. To the year 1054. 1054 years after Jesus. 1054 years after Jesus. In 1054, the Great Schism and Orthodox came to be. They're saying that this building over here in Thessaloniki, that this rostrum, this uh, this special throne in this spot, was where Paul preached. But and that that's part of your tradition. But you weren't there. The Orthodox Church wasn't there. They did not exist until 1054. Before that, it was the Roman Catholic Church that lied, pathologically lied about everything. All of their icons and artifacts, they had blood of martyrs and saints. And they had, as Martin Luther said, they had enough fragments of the true cross that they could have built Noah's Ark. <laughs> Martin Luther said that they had enough nails of the true cross that they could have shod every horse in England. Like, seriously. <laughs> The Catholic Church is, was a patho is a pathological lying machine about all their traditions and their things. They created uh, things that, that they later called. They lied. They had a, a skull that they found they claimed was the skull of John the Baptist. And it was actually tested and found out not to be so. They had they, they actually had a, the, the, a skeleton they claimed was the skeleton of... of uh, I think it was it Mary as in Mary and Martha or something like that. And uh, it was found out, no, no, actually, it was tested and found it only went back to the Dark Ages. It was someone else that, that they had lied. They lie about everything. They lie about their traditions. You need to understand that. The Orthodox and Catholic cults lie, misrepresent, twist scripture, and preach heresies and falsities. That's what cults do. But when Paul was, was teaching that, he, he spent months and months and months with that church, teaching them every day. And he wrote to them two letters, which are in the New Testament, right? First and Second Thessalonians. And he said in those letters, he said that to stand fast and to hold to the teaching that I delivered to you, either by writing or by word of mouth. So now imagine that you were a, a Christian in that church and that St. Paul was your spiritual father. He had baptized you. He had taught you the faith. Uh, and, he, and you had spent a year every day listening to his teachings because he was trying to establish you. He left you two measly letters, <laughs> eight chapters, right? That compared to what you would have heard for a year of daily teaching. Are we supposed to think that the moment he died at the hands of Nero in Rome, all of the Thessalonian Christians said, 
Everything he taught us before is now only possible. Uh, the only things we have to obey are the things that are written in the letters. I mean, of course, on its surface, it's just beyond ridiculous. All right. Okay. This is where, as I was saying at the beginning, how he's so, this Orthodox priest, this established Orthodox priest is so, so ignorant of the word of God. It's, it's just, it's painful. All right. You hear, you hear what his argument was just there. All right. And uh, Paul was there for all this time and teaching, teaching, and they and only gave him two measly letters. All right, so he's diminishing the power, the severity of the letters that were given when the Bible flat out says in Timothy that God spake to his servants and told them what to write, that these are the very words of the living God, and he's just calling them measly. Uh, that, that, that offended me. Now that that seriously offends me when someone diminishes the severity and the power of the word of god they talk about it with such such frivolity frivolity like that it's just disgusting i i'm that really offends me but uh, the other point that he makes here and so all this other stuff that paul's teaching that when he died that that we only stick with just what is written we don't need all the other all the other things that he said all right you do understand there, bud, that there is a time before the finishing of the canonization of Scripture by, by Apostle John, as he was the last apostle to live, that before the Scriptures were finished, right, that the apostles, that God spake to the apostles and through the apostles, in the same similar kind of manner as he did the prophets and even in the early church that there were prophets so there's a dispensational change right as we no longer have as as a first corinthians chapter 13 verse uh, verses 8 to 10 as we no longer have new divine impartations of, of teaching in scripture new uh, words of knowledge we don't have new words of knowledge this is ended this has ceased but before that, before the, that which is perfect has come, which is the word of God, before the word of God is finished and we, and uh, the, the, uh, and now there's no more human oracles. There's no more human oracles. The word of God, the scriptures are our oracle. Before that, we had, we had uh, the apostles, we had prophets where God would speak through people and teach them all the things that they needed. But after this, you see the dispensational change and we no longer have that. That the word of God is our oracle and the canon of scripture is closed. The canon of scripture is closed. You see what he's doing is he's taking the dispensation of the closed, closed canon of sola scriptura. That it's all the word of God and it's our oracle. He's taking that and he's presuming it upon, misrepresenting and presuming it upon the previous dispensation of during the time of the prophets. Now, again... Is it possible Paul could have said all kinds of other things? Well, yeah, of course he did. Obviously he did. But what is sufficient and what is that which is necessary and required for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness? You see, here's the thing. What is scripture? What is that which God has given for, for the spiritual need? 
could Paul have talked about all kinds of other things? Yeah, yeah, of course he did. They would have talked about all kinds of other things. But that which was written down, that which was written down, is all that's required for spiritual reason. See, there's other things, other traditions and stuff that they could have had, but it's it's not necessary. So if you want to have traditions, go for it. There's nothing wrong with having traditions, so long as your traditions don't contradict the word of God. See, that's the thing that he's mocking. Is you have all kinds of other traditions and all these other other things, these practices that you can have, and that the word of God is not the absolute authority for, for dogma and understanding. That because oral tradition, and this is what we had here, but what if the traditions contradict the word of God? Because your cult's tradition is to baptize infants. Your cult's tradition is to call upon the dead saints. Your cult's tradition is baptismal regeneration. Your cult's tradition is to call the priest's father. Your cult's traditions contradict the word of God. That's just not how it works. It is how it works. There was no one in the church who thought that the apostolic teaching, which is the authority, but which comes in two ways, both through oral instruction and through writing. In the previous dispensation. But what they have done, but what they've done here uh, is they've taken the previous dispensation of the time of the apostles and prophets that God would speak through people and how they have all these other practices and traditions and, and, and ways of, uh, of understanding, taking that and, and bestowing it upon our time here now that we still have apostles, that we, that we still have the apostolic types and all of these things. That's the authority. What you heard from the mouths of the apostles is what's inspired. That's why the scripture is scripture, because it actually comes from the mouth of the apostles. It's from the mouth of God. As it says, God spake these things to them and told them what to write didn't just come from the mind of the apostles and this is the orthodox mind the idea that that the written portion of the apostolic teaching could be set apart by itself outside of the context of the oral <sighs> making a distinctive difference in instruction and teaching said that saying that the the bible itself is separate from the spoken traditions that the two are separate and they don't intertwine uh, but but however the written the written is equal to the oral that's what he just said the written word of god is equal to oral tradition let's rewind it the written portion of the apostolic teaching could be set apart by itself outside of the context of the oral uh, is not feasible. And so the follow-up on that would be that, and the corollary is, so we see it in scripture, but then that tradition is lived out in the church. It's passed on through apostolic succession or just like the life yes. of the church in general? Okay. Yes, and that doesn't mean everything is apostolic tradition. Uh, mm -hmm. But there are many things that are. So, for instance, St. Basil the Great, in his famous work on the Holy Spirit, he describes aspects of holy apostolic tradition 
that were never codified in scripture, but that the church has never questioned. Uh, one of those is the making of the sign of the cross. You know, the Roman Catholic drawing in the air, uh, this making the sign of the cross, handed down as an apostolic tradition. Where did that start? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was that started with the Roman Catholic Church, and you are upholding that as as holy apostolic tradition equal to equal to biblical tradition, equal to biblical dogma. You're you're saying that this is something that should be done. That's a Roman Catholic tradition. Um, FYI, the drawing the sign of the cross by actual uh, original authentic. Uh, Roman Catholic tradition, which Orthodox Church came from the Roman Catholic Church, uh, is it is its mind to heart, shoulder to shoulder, mind mind to heart, shoulder to shoulder. Now, if you look at that, that's an inverted cross. They say, "Oh, you go down to your belly." No, original, authentic tradition is mind to heart, shoulder to shoulder. That's an, it makes an inverted cross. Just saying. Another one is praying towards the east. Why? I don't understand that one. I don't know where they get that one. Um, nothing in the entirety of the word of God says it. And there's not one single instance of that in the entirety of the word of God. Praying to the east. Another is baptizing by trying immersion and immersion. Yeah, the orthodox teachings of baptism, infant baptism, and the 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 sacred uh, uh, traditions of baptism that that they hold the different views, and also baptismal regeneration. Um, they do not hold to the biblical teaching of believers' baptism. They don't hold to that. In the name of the Holy Trinity. So th those are three clear aspects of apostolic tradition that are universal and have been done by the church in all places the church is meaning the roman catholic church as that they still the orthodox still sees the roman catholic church as the mother church that they came from they just disagree on some certain aspects of uh of mary worship and idolatry they have but they have their own saint worship and idolatry throughout her history that saint basil says are just as authoritative as anything found in scripture ah there you hear that did you hear that immersion and immersion in the name of the holy trinity so th those are listen, three clear listen. aspects of apostolic tradition that are universal and have been done by the church in all places throughout her history that saint basil says are just as authoritative as anything found in scripture these traditions you heard him say it this orthodox priest you heard him say it these traditions are just as authoritative as anything found in scripture yeah that's a cat it's a catholic or, or is orthodox i don't know who he is <laughs> basil he must be italian the saint the saint of pizza okay so we take a look at, at, at these things look what he says then they hold to this these traditions are just as authoritative as anything found in scripture you teach for doctrines the traditions of men what what does it say in mark 
what does it say in Mark? Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. In vain do, uh, do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Seriously, they listen exactly, exactly, Dana. Listening to saints over scripture, catechism over scripture, uh, commentary over scripture, traditions over scripture, and lowering the power of scripture and elevating man's traditions. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And now they're elevating man's traditions above the name of God. You see that? Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And they are taking their traditions, their Orthodox Catholic traditions, and elevating their traditions equal to Scripture over the name of God. When he says so clearly in his word, again and again and again and again and again, it, that how he's preserved his word, he's preserved his word, he's kept his word, the, the jot and tittle will no wise fade, the, the grass where the flowers fade, his word stands forever, he preserves his word, word unto all generations, his word, his word, his word, his word, not traditions. Not traditions, because that was the Pharisees' problem. Because they were holding to traditions and rejecting the word of God. These mock priests are rejecting the word of God and holding to their traditions with all their phylacteries and everything else and all their the parade and pomp. They're, 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 they're diminishing the authority of the word of God, elevating themselves, sitting in the thrones, sitting in thrones in all of their robes and teaching their traditions as equal to the word of God. What heresy 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 cult false gospel blasphemy leaders of the blind you close up the gates of heaven and you make the followers twofold children of hell as jesus says you have not the love of god in you and you teach your doctrines the traditions of men as this one saint once said, these traditions are just as authoritative as anything found in Scripture. Nonsense, baloney, garbage, heresy. Yeah, that's the end of that. But this, folks, you see, what happens? What happens? When you will not hold to the word of God as your final absolute authority in all aspects of faith, the practice of faith. If this is not your authority, if this is not your authority, not me, not you, not anyone else, any other thing, the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures, the Holy Writ, this, what God has preserved into all generations. If you do not hold to this as your absolute standard of authority, what happens? What is going to happen 100% every single time? You see it in the Charismatics, you see it in the Catholics, you see it in the cults, as they start bringing themselves as authority. We are the authorities. The cult's red flag, the red flag of the cult, is we are the authority. Our books. You can't just read this. You have to have our things. You heard him say it. You heard him say it. 
that the Orthodox Christian understands and knows that they must read the scriptures according to the, 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 what the church has decreed or whatever he has said. Of that you must read the scriptures according to as they have determined. That's a cult. And their traditions are just as authoritative as scripture. That's a cult. So how, how can anyone, any head on their shoulders that calls themselves a born-again Christian, think that the Orthodox Church is Christian? That they're Christians? How can you think that? Look at the gospel they preach. is a works-based system of salvation, baptismal regeneration. They do not believe, categorically, do not believe that the Bible is absolute authority. They elevate their own traditions, and they're, they're just an offshoot of the Roman Catholic Church. They do not go back to Jesus. They go back to the Roman Catholic Church in 1054, which the Roman Catholic Church goes back to the 300s with Constantine. Do some research. Look it up. But anyways, the argument today was the argument on Sola Scriptura. And I wanted to show you how the Orthodox cult is, is verily a cult and does not believe the Bible. They do not hold the Bible as authority. They elevate themselves as authority. Then they are no different than the Roman Catholic Church, which says... That, uh, that Sola Scriptura is heresy. This, this Orthodox priest at the very beginning of the video flat out says Sola Scriptura is heresy. You know what? I'm just going to play that part one more time just for, so you can see it, so you can hear him say it. Would you like me to say anything about, would you like me to say anything about Sola Scriptura? If you'd like, yeah. You, you mentioned, I think it's the heresy that begets the other Protestant heresies. If I'm, That might be a slight misquote, but... Yeah, maybe uh, speak on that for a second. You know, I think most Protestants who enthusiastic... He doesn't deny it. He accepts that. If that was wrong, he would have said, no, 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 I said this. No, no, because that is what he says. That, that Sola Scriptura is the heresy that begets all the other Protestant heresies. And then he goes on to blast Sola Scriptura, mock Protestants, mock Sola Scriptura, and elevate Orthodox traditions. That's what happens when you stray from the scriptures as authority. You start elevating visions, dreams, feelings, emotions, commentaries, catechisms, creeds, any, everything else. You start elevating everything else as equal authority. You get people thinking they're apostles, people thinking they're prophets and prophetesses, and they speak for God. And I even came across one charismatic dude who believed himself to be a prophet, and he actually said to me, he doesn't need to read the Bible anymore because God just talks to him directly. No joke. He says he doesn't need to read the Bible anymore because God just speaks to him directly. I'm sorry there, bud. That ain't God. That ain't God talking to you. So, there you go. What's your thoughts? Any thoughts, comments, questions, issues, insights? What's going through your heart? What's going through your mind right now? So, uh, the argument here today we're looking at is the orthodox view of Sola Scriptura. It's just as absolutely heretical, 
the orthodox stance on it is absolutely heretical it's just as bad as the roman catholic church which outright says salvation by grace alone is anathema maranatha it's in their it's in their roman catholic catechism it's in their roman catholic catechism that salvation by grace alone is anathema maranatha they they stand by that you know what that means the catholic church is flat out saying that that the doctrine that you're saved by grace alone and not by works that, that you're saved by grace alone is a curse of god so Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the Catholic Church is saying is accursed of God. That passage is, is accursed of God, is what the Catholic Church is basically saying. Unbelievable. Um, I blog here, it says, My mother told us we were going to become Catholic when I was 11 years old. Up to that point, there was there was... There really was no religion or doctrine that we lived or adhered to, but I left it for obvious reasons. Right. You see, if a person just goes and just sits down, puts their brain in neutral and just floats along, they're, they're never really going to notice, they're never really going to see the errors, the heresies, the, the Swiss cheese of problems. That, that that the cult is about but if you go and sit down and you listen carefully and you have your bible with you and you double check everything you'll see you'll see exactly what's all going on you you will see how how they misrepresent misquote mistranslate they abuse and twist scripture and how they preach their own thing caught like praying to dead saints well as the orthodox say well but jesus said all those who believe in me shall never die so they're not actually dead they're still alive so you can you can talk to talk to the dead saints because they're not actually dead they're still alive um book chapter verse please where do you get that idea where do you get that idea that we can talk to them? Well, the prophet Samuel came back and talked to King Saul. God brought him up from Sheol, from the place of the dead. The Bible says the dead know nothing, meaning they know nothing about me. They're separated from and they have no involvement with the living. That's what that means. That's what that means. I'm talking about how they go, they go to their places and whether heaven or hell depending on what they believed and they have no interaction with us here unless god specifically has said them but he sends his angels he doesn't send his saints but the samuel thing was a whole separate thing god brought up the spirit of samuel to talk to king saul and even saul says why what, no why why am i why did you call me why are you doing this to me and they said says the same as i've always already told you that your judgment's coming upon you and he just quotes the scriptures again but nowhere in the bible do we see calling upon angels Actually, the Bible condemns the, uh, the praying to angels. It actually outright condemns the praying to angels. Uh, the will worship of angels. The, uh, the Bible condemns necromancy. Necromancy, the way of the dead. Uh, uh, praying to, working with, dealing with the dead. And that's what Catholicism and Orthodoxy and Seventh-day Adventism is all about. Seventh-day Adventists also hold to that... that, that uh, uh, that the spirits of dead saints come back to help the living. A bunch of heresy. 
Nowhere is that in the word of God. The, it's the Bible flat out says Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our intercessor. And no one else. Not Mary. Not saints. Not anyone else. Not the apostles. Not prophets. Well, well, there's, well, there's nothing wrong with calling upon them. Yeah, there is because you're avoiding Christ. And the Bible says it's just to call upon Christ. And some people you're just never going to convince. Yeah. But we're to be as the Bereans. And if we take a look as well, there's an argument there for this whole thing in Sola Scriptura as well. It's Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. You see, Paul came and he taught and he spoke and all these things. And they didn't just take every tradition of everything that he said. Look, how, how do you know what is right and what is not? Acts 17, verse 11, about the Bereans. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. See, this, this Orthodox priest was upholding and praising the Thessalonians for their, for their holding to oral tradition. Right? Right? But what about the Bereans? But these, the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word oral tradition they received the word with all readiness of mind an expectation of hoping that this is all true and they're ready and they're holding it with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily whether those those things were so How do you know if the traditions, the old traditions, what is being said is right and correct? You don't just accept it. You gotta search the scriptures to make sure it's so. That this mock priest of an Orthodox priest, they say, well, all these other traditions they're holding to, and they're so blessed and amazing that they had all these things. The Bible says the Bereans are more noble because they search the scriptures. Which you are putting down which you are lowering in severity lowering in importance that orthodox priest should get his money back because his diploma came from a bubblegum machine anyways just some thoughts so there you go we're taking a look at at the orthodox cult and how they reject the word of god as absolute authority how they reject the doctrines of god as as important they lower the severity of scripture they elevate the traditions of man and they they mock sola scriptura and mock protestants they excuse me they mock what the bible teaches as, as proper tradition what is our tradition word of god alone the word of god alone it's the word of God alone. What do you think? What do you think? As Dana here says, as the scribes and Pharisees didn't want to lose their riches and position of power, so they went after Jesus. Exactly. And the cults will go after they will hound and hunt down and seek to destroy in one way or another anything that is a threat to their to their position of power their traditions of what they want anything that could cause them to lose their their personal authority exactly exactly and as i blog here it says uh, uh, that 
they, the Orthodox, are so very blind. They are. They're absolutely blind. Absolutely blind. As Corinthians says, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, uh, The natural man receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. They have not the Spirit of God, so they're not going to understand the Word of God. So because, right there, because they can't understand the Word of God, because they don't have the Spirit of God, they're going to have to make up other things to help them understand it. They're going to be twisting the scriptures to fit their personal narrative of what, they, what they're getting out of it. But in so doing that, the, of their blindness and mis, misusing the scriptures, this is where the enemy is going to come in. The enemy is going to come in and the enemy is going to be putting in their thoughts and their mind all these other things uh, to, uh, to ruin the true meaning of the word of God. So yeah, there you go. So with that, is Roman Catholicism Christian? No. Is Orthodoxy Christian? No. The Orthodox Church came out of the Roman Catholic Church in 1054, and they're just carrying on the Roman Catholic traditions, um, and just in some levels, just as not as severely as Roman Catholicism, but this is what they're doing. They're a cult. They're not Christian. They teach a false gospel. They abuse the word of God, and they should not be trusted. So do not look to the Orthodox Church as Christian. Do not look to Catholicism as Christian. This is what they're about. You heard it from the horse's mouth. They mock the word of God. So there you go. We'll wrap it up there. Just a, sh a shorter one today. So I hope this has been a help, a comfort, encouragement to you. If you appreciate these studies, please give this a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icons. So you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and content. And uh, yeah, so make sure as well, check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We have links to all our platforms and goodies and free downloadable gospel track PDFs and all of that and uh, e-tracks and all kinds of goodies. So make sure you check out our sites, check out our YouTube channel, and uh, make sure you give it a subscribe and a follow, give it a like, and share this video around. If you know some people who are kind of getting tied up with the Orthodox Church or have views regarding the Orthodox Church sh uh, 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 that they should understand the truth, send them this video. Send them this video and ask them just to give this a listen and uh, see, see what they have to say about this. But, uh, it's just the reason I'm doing this is because I'm seeing so many professed Christians flocking to the Orthodox Church for some reason. I, I just I don't understand how they can do that. They, they, they're not researching. They're not studying. They're not listening. They're not viewing what the Word of God says. They are not holding to, to Scripture as authority, and they're getting caught up in all in this dangerous cult that is a, that is. A danger to their minds and, and souls. The Orthodox Church is leading people straight to hell. They're a cult of false gospel. And getting caught up in that is just dangerous. Dangerous. You heard it from, from an Orthodox priest. If you would like uh, uh, to see, see the link to this uh, and uh, to know more about this, I'll put the link of that video in the description of this one so you, so you can actually go to the channel and see what this is about where this is coming from but i'm warning you be careful listening to uh to cult channels uh, ch and videos that uh, guys are preaching their own stuff 
Be very careful because it can mess with your mind. Hold to the word of God, what the word of God says, and don't let cult priests interpret scripture for you. What it says, what it means. The word of God is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. Amen. With that, wrap it up there. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless. Thank you.